0: Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of Servant's Heart Chapel. I hope uh, this particular episode is a special blessing to you. So let's get right to it. Praise the Lord. Thank you. I thank the Lord for his grace and mercy. If you have your Bibles with you, you're welcome to turn to Acts chapter 18. That's all we'll be preaching on today, Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18, you know, it is about Paul and some of the things that he's done, and we're going to talk about that. But what, to me, what the main thought is in 18 is we see an example of the ministry of a good Christian couple. A, a, a husband and wife who loves Jesus. In 1982, my dad, who at that point had been away from church for some time. I don't know how that gate got open. She's the sweetest dog. You'll never meet a sweeter dog. <clears throat> All right. I'm sorry? Hey, Daisy's not scared, buddy. Okay. All right. In 1982, when I was uh, roughly 1980, I was eight years old. My dad had... My parents, neither one of my parents had really been in church for a long time. And one of my dad's friends, uh, Joyce and Sam Harry, I believe, I said, hey, uh, Clint, you've got to try this church out. This man started a church, and it was in his garage. He had this very large, two-car garage, and, and and he was having church in it. And so my dad went, and I remember going. I remember that day. Um... And uh, we went, and then I uh, didn't really, I don't remember really continuing going, but a few months later, I, they had purchased a, a large uh, mobile building designed for office space, and they made that their church while they built an actual church building. And the pastor, his name was Calvin, and his wife was Becky. Calvin and Becky. Calvin and Becky Bennett. Calvin and Becky Bennett uh, spent their lives in service to others. I don't remember one sermon Calvin ever preached. I heard a lot of them. I don't remember one single sermon. Here's what I do remember. Calvin and Becky loved me. And they loved my parents. They loved young people. They loved all people. And they, they, that, that showed in their lives. They cared about us. They would, they would focus on organizing things that, that meant something was of value to us. The, the father and son uh, camping trips and, uh, and um, the different events. I was uh, eight years old and I actually helped uh, build that church. I was all into it. my friends didn't could care less. I wanted to help with that. I drug over i i I shoveled sand and i I drug over concrete blocks and and i was I'm sure I was more in the way than to than help. but they let me for the most part. but Calvin and Becky made an impact on my life, number one because they started a church they gave themselves to it. It had an impact on my dad. My dad got back to God because of that. And then eventually my mom came back to the Lord. And then Calvin and Becky organized a a trip to North Arizona for young people to go to a Bible camp. And that's where I got saved. That's where I gave my heart to Jesus at 13 years old. They were just a wonderful, loving couple that I have the utmost regard to. Calvin and Becky couldn't have their own kids. They were unable to have children, so they adopted a little girl named Crystal. And they gave her all the love, and she, she was well-loved. And she grew up to be a beautiful young lady, has, now has a family of her own. They always told her from the very beginning that she was adopted so there was no surprise and shock that this little book they would read her when she was like three or four years old they start reading her. They loved her and she became their daughter. Calvin and Becky, a wonderful and, and, and later on and later so Calvin's ministry there at the church after after about 10 years or so, Calvin felt called to to go and minister to the Native Americans. And so they just resigned from the church, and the church got a different uh, pastor, and the church ended up dying. The church didn't make it, didn't survive him leaving. And Calvin, Calvin in later years, developed Parkinson's disease and it affected his ability to communicate and, and there was a lot of time where he was in a lot of pain and, and, and Becky had to be there for him and take care of him. Very difficult time and I wondered why God allowed that. And Calvin passed away a, a few years ago. I talked to Becky I think it was last year. Talked on the phone for the first time in many years. Uh, she lives in northern Arizona now. And a uh, neat lady. Still loves people. When I think about this couple that we're going to be reading about, I, I think about Calvin and Becky. And I hope I hope you've had a a, a a Christian couple who's had that impact on your life. And I hope you can be that kind of Christian in the lives of others. So let's get into this, chapter 18. It starts off after this. So after, he remember in Athens, last chapter, Paul preached in Athens, and many people got saved. Well, 18 starts off with, after this, after all that happened, he, being Paul, left at, at probably Athens and went to Corinth. Okay, let me just pause there real quick. This was around 49, so from 49, roughly 49 AD to 52 AD, Paul traveled about 2,000 miles by foot and another 1,000 miles by boat. So by the time Paul was almost 50 years old, so the latter, Paul's, The latter four, in Paul's latter forties, Paul walked the equivalent from Denver, Colorado, to Raleigh, North Carolina. You hear me? Paul walked, basically, from Denver, Colorado, to Raleigh, North Carolina. That's a long walk, and he did that for Jesus because he wanted to get the word out, and and so he went to Corinth. And that's where people in Corinth were called, what? Corinthians, right. That's where we get the book of Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Paul had written letters to them. So he went to Corinth where he found a Jewish couple named Aquila, a native of Pontus who recently came from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them. Now, that is a lot in one verse. Notice it said he found, Paul was looking for a Christian brother or sister. So he found them, found a Jewish man named Aquila. They recently came from Italy with his wife Priscilla because there was a lot, a big uproar in Rome, mainly because of Christianity. And so Claudius, the Emperor Claudius, just uh, just exiled everybody. He said, if you're Jewish, get out. You're not welcome anymore. So they left. And so they were there in Corinth. Corinth was a very evil city, very corrupt. It was kind of like the Las Vegas of the Middle East. or not Middle East, of uh, Greece. Las Vegas of Greece. And Paul came to them and being the same occupation, stayed with them and worked for they were tent makers by trade. Paul, I got to know them. Hey, they're Christians and and they do the same kind of... So Paul wasn't just uh, going around preaching and relying solely on on the kindness and generosity of other Christians, although he did do that. Uh, he, he, when he had opportunity, he would make tents. He was a leather worker. And that's an easy job to have when you're traveling, right? You just kind of bring your work with you. And there was always a market for it wherever you went because everybody uh, used tents of some kind. They so may die, uh, and and um, and pa- Aquila and his wife Priscilla did the same thing. Paul had a good work ethic. Verse four, he reasoned uh, in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. So while um. He worked except on the Sabbath. He would go out and and try to to share and convince people that Jesus is the Messiah. And verse 5, when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with preaching the message and solemnly testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. So he worked until Sauls and Timothy came and then he went back into full time ministry and it said occupied. That's kind of a weak word. My Bible says occupied. I don't know what yours says. I think it's kind of a weak word because that um hey, come on in, Christian. Are you here for church? Okay. So it's occupied. That really is a word, that Greek word that comes from means to be absorbed or engrossed in completely. You've been so occupied with like your phone that you're completely blocking out everything else. You're busy doing that. I'm a very task oriented person. I can only focus on one thing at a time. Missy, after many years of marriage, Missy has learned that she has to get my attention first if she wants to talk to me. Because I don't hear anything. If I'm reading something or thinking about something, I'm completely locked in. I am occupied. And that's the way Paul was. He was fully engrossed with and absorbed with uh, service and preaching the message. And he testified he bore witness to the Jews that Jesus, the Messiah, he testified like a witness. Has Jesus done something for you in your life? Christian just left, didn't he Ha) <laughs> I heard a door close and a drive away. Make yourself at home, brother. Hi. Good to see you. Yeah. Now, the little boys, if they want to go with Missy, I don't know if they will or not this time. Maybe we'll wait until they're more comfortable. But next time, they they can go with Missy and and, and do stuff with her during the sermon. So it's occupied. Oh, by the way, everybody, this is uh, Christian Hishana. Everybody everybody will introduce themselves to you afterwards. We're very low-key, very informal. Praise the Lord. So he testified. He testified if, if, if Jesus has done something for you in your life, you need to witness, you need to testify as to that. And does your life actually testify to that fact? Are you claiming to be a Christian and your life doesn't, doesn't witness that? Cody, go take care of the dog, please. Might have to put her inside. Thank you. Verse five uh, testifies to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. So what is your testimony? Cody? Thank you. What is your testimony? What is your life expressed to others? Many people, you're the only Bible they're going to read. So you say, I love Jesus. Does your life actually express that? Do you love others? Do you love God before everything else in your life? And do you love others as much as you love yourself? Well, the people see you as a selfish person, as a critical person, as a hateful person? That's not a good testimony. So Paul tried to testify to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah, verse 6, but when they resisted and blasphemed, what does it mean to blaspheme? That's a word, not a word we use very often. Close. The blaspheme is to insult or show contempt or a lack of reverence for God. If someone said, oh, Jesus is nothing, I don't care about him, that'd be blaspheming. That's what the Jews were saying. They were saying, you know, he's nothing. I think a lot of times our lives, our words don't blaspheme Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. Um, I appreciate what he's done for me. But then our lives blaspheme. We live as if we don't care about God. And so then Paul shook his robe. Probably took off his coat and shook it off at them. That's a, that was a symbol. He shook his robe at them. And that symbolized, it was a, disp- a, a symbolic display of protest. He shook his robe at them and said, I'm... Your blood is on your own heads. I am innocent. See, we all have a personal responsibility to God. I have responsibility to tell you the truth. I have responsibility to be there for you, to encourage you, to pray with you, to help you however I can. Those are my responsibilities. But we ultimately we have a personal responsibility to God. We have a personal responsibility for our thoughts, words, and actions, and ultimately what we do. And Paul was telling the Jews as those who rejected Christ, said your blood is on your own heads, I am innocent. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. So verse seven says, So he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius. Justice, a worshiper of God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. And Christmas, the leader of the synagogue, believed the Lord, along with his whole household. Many of the the Corinthians, when they heard, believed and were baptized. Then the Lord said to Paul in a night vision, Don't be afraid. But keep on speaking and don't be silent for I am with you and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you because I have many people in this city. Why did, why did God tell Paul that? Why did God tell Paul don't be afraid? Well, we actually have an answer because Paul himself talks about it in 1 Corinthians Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Paul wrote, When I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. Now he's talking to the same people that he's with right now in Acts. So later he wrote a letter to these people, and he's telling them this. Verse 2, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified I came to you in weakness and fear and in much, much trembling. So Paul was scared. You ever been scared about something? You ever been scared? I knew you had to do what was right and, you, and, and, and there's going to be people that were going to jeer at you and give you a hard time about it and harass you. Paul was scared. He was trembling about it. And so that's why God came to Paul and said, in verse 9, Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent. Why? Because I am with you. I believe, ladies and gentlemen, I believe that God has a truth in here for us today. That we don't have to be afraid. Because Jesus is with us. If we surrender our hearts and lives to Him, He's with us every step of the way. And I have seen that happen. In in almost 30 years of serving the Lord, I have seen that happen over and over again. And he tells Paul, no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you because I have many people in this city. And verse 11, so Paul listened to him and he stayed there a year and six months. So another 18 months, he stayed in Corinth teaching the word of God among them. Verse 12. While Galileo was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack against Paul and brought him to the judge's bench. This man, they said, persuades people to worship God contrary to the law. As Paul was about to open his mouth, Galileo said to the Jews... If we were a matter of a crime or moral evil, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you Jews. But if these are questions about words and names and your own law, see it to yourselves. I don't want to be a judge of such things. I think that was a mistake. Because Paul was about to preach the gospel. And Galileo didn't get to hear it. Because he didn't want to. I don't want to hear that. That's of no value to me. And who knows, unless, unless God gave him the chance, Galileo was lost in his sins. Verse 16, so he drove them from the judge's bench. Then they all seized Sassanese, the leader of the synagogue, and beat them in front of the judge's bench. But none of these things concerned Dileo. Verse 18, so Paul, having stayed on for many days, said goodbye to the brothers and sailed away to Syria. Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He shaved his head at Cochrie because he had taken a vow. Now, we don't know if, that was, if, if Aquila shaved his head or Paul. We're not sure. No answer. I, I don't think it's that big a deal. It's something that the meaning got lost. It doesn't, it's not a great importance. Let's just move on. Verse 19, when they reached Ephesus, they left him there, but he himself entered a synagogue and engaged in discussion with the Jews. And though they asked him to stay for a longer time, he declined. But he said goodbye and stated, I'll come back to you again if God wills. Then he set sail from Ephesus. On landing to Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and went down to Antioch. And after spending some time there, he set out traveling through one place and after another in Galatian territory and Phrygia, strengthening all disciples. So Paul traveled, continued to travel. And what was he doing? He was strengthening the Christians. He was encouraging them. And that reminded me of a man who was a great Uh, influence in my life, brother Walter Walter Hedstrom. Walter Hedstrom, for many years, was the president of the Alabama Conference of Biomethodists, and he traveled so much, he had changed oil twice a month in his car. He drove around so much, church to church to church, strengthening the pastors, strengthening the leaders, the lay people, Brother Heston was doing Paul's work. Verse 24. We'll finally wrap up today with this final story. A Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian, an eloquent man, was powerful in the use of scriptures, arrived in Ephesus. So here is this Jewish man. who was very knowledgeable. but. He He was from a Greek city. Verse 25, this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught the things about Jesus accurately, although he knew only John's baptism. Fervent in spirit, fervent is passionate. Have you ever been passionate about something? Something drives you? Apollos was like that with God. He wanted to talk to people about God. He was very passionate about it. And, and so he shows up in Ephesus to do that in verse 25. Um, I'm sorry, verse 26. Now, mind you, in verse 25, he said he knew only John's back. He didn't know about Jesus yet. He was missing an important part of the gospel. Verse twenty six. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. After Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him home and explained the way of God more accurately. So they they invited Paul to dinner at their house, and they took that as an opportunity to share the whole truth with him. He was he was he meant well. He was trying to I. Uh, what was right, but he was wrong. He was incorrect. So they they brought him home and they sat down with him and they, using scripture and in love, they share with him the truth. We have a problem on social media right now. There's a lot of people that are putting stuff out there that's wrong. And I've seen some brothers and sisters in Christ who mean well, but they're responding with criticism, with critical attitudes, with hate. And that's not how you deal with it. We need to follow uh, Aquila and Priscilla's example. Somebody's talking about something that is wrong. We take some, that person aside. We say, look, this is in private. You, you, you do it in private. And you do it in love. And you correct them. That's, that's the way to do it. Aquila and Priscilla were a wonderful Christian couple. A great example for us to follow. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close out by giving you a few uh, reasons why. They're a good Christian couple to emulate. They're ones who want to follow their example. Number one, Aquila and Priscilla had a dynamic marriage. They were always mentioned together. They were, wherever Aquila was, Priscilla was with them. Where Priscilla was, Aquila was there. They were together. They were working together. They worked as a team. Number two, Priscilla had a lot of influence. Because Priscilla is mentioned first, um, she's the first one mentioned in four of the six times that those two are mentioned. Now, that doesn't mean that Priscilla was a dominating wife. It means she was important, she was an important female figure in the early church. Did you know that? As, as a woman, she had a significant impact in the early church. Is the, the Christian church is not a, a male only movement. Women have played a significant role from the very beginning. Verse three. Or not, not verse three, that number three, the third reason why we should emulate Aquila and Priscilla. They were mobile. They got exiled from one place. I didn't tear the whole life apart. They were like, okay. They had a great attitude. They were okay with that. They went along. They, just, they moved to a new spot, continued their work, continued helping the church, helping people. You know, life as a Christian isn't easy. Life isn't easy, as a, being a Christian doesn't necessarily make it easy. But it's, when, when life is spent in service to the king, it is good. It may not be easy, but it is good. Number four. Aquila and Priscilla had a Christ-centered passion. They were passionate about Jesus. How do we know that? Well, Paul actually mentioned it in Romans. Romans chapter 16. verses 3 through 4. Paul said, "Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Jesus Christ who risked their own necks for my life. They risked their lives to protect Paul. That's how passionate they were. Number five. Aquila and Priscilla were hospitable. They loved Being there for people. They love bringing people into their home and, and, and showing hospitality to them. They did that for Paul. Paul lived with them for a while, stayed with them for a while. And Apollos, they brought him over and brought him there. And finally, number six, what I've already mentioned Aquila and Priscilla were not critical, they were not mean. They use gentle persuasion when, when, when a brother or sister in Christ was wrong. They, use, they o- use an open Bible and a loving tone. Verse 27. When he, Apollos, wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers wrote the disciples urging them to welcome him. So they, they, they gave him a letter of recommendation. After he arrived, he greatly helped. When Paulus arrived there, he was a great help to him. When you are faced with challenging situations, are you, are you a help or are you a hindrance? Do you help or do you hurt? something to think about. Verse 28 For he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. It's important to know why you believe what you believe. Priscilla and Aquila had a legacy, their work impacted. Probably generations upon generations of Christians. Their impact probably lasted thousands of years. Going back to Calvin and Becky, the the couple that impacted me in my life, I'm part of that legacy for them. There are people who whose marriages were saved, whose Homes were healed. Those who lived happy, uh, young people, kids, who've now grown up and, and have lived happy lives because they didn't get into drugs and alcohol and all that foolishness because of Calvin and Becky's impact in their lives. I want to be like that. I want to have a positive impact on those around me. And I hope you do too. Let's stand and close in prayer. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at servantsheartchapel at gmail.com. Also, we have a website, servantsheartchapel.org. We also have a Facebook page. So you're welcome to check us out. Love to hear from you, prayer requests, anything you may need. We are here for you. Have a wonderful and blessed day.